This episode is brought to you by 1010. 1010 is an exclusive collection of 10 one-of-a-kind engagement rings designed by 10 of the most distinctive designers working today. Using only diamonds responsibly and sustainably sourced from Botswana, 10 design masters have each produced a uniquely beautiful diamond ring launching exclusively on January 18th at BlueNile.com. This exciting limited edition collection of diamond engagement rings launches on January 18th and you can preview it exclusively at BlueNile.com. You are Locked On Bengals, your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. I'm your host, Jake Lisko, along with my co-host, James Rapine. Thanks for joining us today for this episode of Locked On Bengals. Clearly, there is some important stuff happening in the world today, in the nation's capital of the United States today. Just wanted to take a minute to acknowledge that. And if you're joining us today, then I hope we can provide you with a short bit of respite at this time. And again, we appreciate your listening to the Locked On Bengals podcast. Today, James, let's talk a little bit about Willie Anderson's Hall of Fame candidacy that fell a little bit short this year. Sounds like Willie is encouraged for his future chances to make the Hall of Fame. And I think that there is something to that. He doesn't want your apologies. He said he's gotten too many sad texts, sad tweets. So don't go apologize to Willie Anderson. Then we're going to talk a little bit about the coaches that the Bengals are replacing and what their responsibilities are. So we're going to talk about what it is that the Bengals need to replace from an institutional knowledge perspective, from a teaching perspective, what exactly it is that these guys did that the Bengals are going to be bringing in replacements for on this coaching staff, at least as far as we know, because there could be some coaching changes coming that we aren't expecting yet. I I think at this point, things look to be pretty set and James, you can correct me if I'm wrong there. I mean, I saw Ben Baby with a tweet this morning, this morning being Wednesday morning, that said he wasn't expecting anything formal from the Bengals announcing coaches that were being let go or coaches that they're going to keep and will instead perhaps just hear when they eventually hire replacements. And they don't actually have to to make those formal announcements because most of these guys that they're moving on from, like Bob McNell, for example, his contract ran out. Jim Turner contract ran out. So technically you can describe it as a a mutually parting of the ways or, you know, whatever you want to say, they didn't fire these guys. And, And so that's the, the thing, if you're the Bengals, yeah, you can make an announcement saying they won't be retained. And that's the verbiage initially, uh, that the, the report said, but really it's, it's as simple as contracts up and, and they're not going to extend them and keep those guys on. So yeah, I wouldn't be shocked at all if we don't hear anything, uh, we already heard about Zach Taylor. We know about the coordinators. Now that the public kind of knows that, I think it's kind of business as usual as they look forward to the offseason, whether that's fair or not, or whether you were expecting this big announcement. I, I just, is Jim Turner worth that, <laughs> right? Is is that something that you need to do when his contract's up? Uh, I'm not so sure. So I think that the hunt is probably officially on for some of these uh, assistants or at least replacing them. I just we we talked about this after recording the show yesterday. I just was trying to imagine the panic that Bengals fans would be feeling right now if those reports hadn't happened last week before the end of the season when it was disclosed that certain coaches weren't returning. And, you know, there were a lot of rumors about Callahan, about 
Lou Anarumo floating around depending on who you read or who you heard. And so if if we hadn't heard anything, you know, I guess you, you, you credit the beat reporters, yourself included. You have the report up at allbengals.com, you and Elise Jesse doing that work together. So you credit the reporters for letting folks know because the Bengals, it appears, had no plans to do it. And I guess I guess that's fine. And Jake, real quick, and we're going to get to Willie Anderson. I think it was and there were multiple media members that did this um, that that asked like, man, how tough is it? You know, when you find out that your your coaches are are changing and you, you find that out in the media, Elise confirmed with the players that they knew about the coaching changes before. And, and and she made sure of that before that report was released. She could have released it much sooner than she did. And and, and so I, I think that was interesting to me. And I you you didn't say anything uh, to me that you were going to say before that. But I, I, I think she would appreciate you giving uh, her credit as well, because I think some discredit that. But she made sure the players knew. And then she rolled with the report. And, and as far as that being a distraction in the final game, well, then play better. So that, that isn't the case, right? If you're Zach Taylor, coach better. And don't let that leak. So it leaked, and uh, and she held on to it for really as long as she could, I think, until until she released it. Yeah, I mean, I don't think you can really credit the coaching news to why they played so poorly in their final game of the season. But either way, yeah, certainly. I, I mean, I think Elise Jesse takes a lot of heat. And, I mean, obviously, she's a friend of the podcast. I don't think that any of the subtweets are really terribly deserved. I think she's just doing her job and – I think that she's proven to be fairly reliable as as a reporter and her sources are as well. I know she does a lot of work and makes sure she has many, many corroborating sources. So anyway, a little bit of a sidebar there. Willie Anderson didn't quite make the list of finalists for this year's Hall of Fame class, but he did speak with Jeff Hobson of Bengals.com. He said, it was the first time I was a semifinalist. I wasn't holding my breath. I was honored they looked at my career and moved me up to the twenty five. He still thinks his career is a Hall of Fame career, but like I said in the open, James, he doesn't want those pity texts, those pity tweets. He's happy that there's some momentum building around his name, and I'm optimistic for his future. I have said many, many times, I think he was the best right tackle of his era, and if that's not good enough to get into the Hall of Fame, then nothing is, and we'll just see if that anti-Bengals bias that seems to exist from Canton continues, and it, it really shouldn't. I mean, somebody pointed out this is a team that they've been to two Super Bowls. It's not like they've never done anything to have just one Hall of Fame player is insane. And that's why this franchise and it goes back to the franchise. And I know they've taken a lot of heat. Obviously, Willie Anderson, if he's on the Steelers, he's in the Hall of Fame, right? If he plays the majority of his career or let's say he starts his career with the Baltimore Ravens where he ended it he's in the Hall of Fame. And if this franchise would do a better job of changing the perception, which one, you got to win. Two, you just got to be buttoned up and well run and, and the perception's got to be there. And they got really close from 2011 to 2015. They really did. Um, another thing they have to do is celebrate their past. And, and Willie Anderson, Ken Riley, all these guys that should be in the Hall of Fame, Ken Anderson, part of the reason they're not is because of the organization itself. And I do agree with you. I think Willie does get in at some point because when people – Go back and look how great Corey Dillon was, uh, how hard that that and tough that division was. And Willie Anderson's a big reason why 28 was as good as he was. And in my opinion, the best back in Bengals history, he deserves a ton of credit for that and, and deserves a ton of credit for eight and eight, eight and eight, 11 and five Marvin's first three years. 
Willie's a, as big of a part of that as, as any of that group because of his leadership, because of his, uh, obviously his ability on the field, all of those things. And so I, uh, I certainly hope he gets in. Plus, he's a great dude. I mean, I, I've met him a couple of times. Willie Anderson's a, a really good dude. I know you and Joe had him on the podcast, and you know firsthand how nice of a guy he is. He loves to tell stories. He's a fun guy. Man, we, we honestly, we were trying to respect his time when we had him on the podcast last year. Go back and listen to that episode. Go find it, because he shared a lot of fun stories with us, and we were trying to let him go, and he's like, no, nah, I'm good. He just, he was, he was generous, man. He was ready to talk. He was ready to spill. And I don't know if he's done another one since then. He, it took us a long time to get him on. So we, we do appreciate that time. Good article over on Bengals.com too. He, uh, he being Jeff Hobson talked to a hall of fame voter and Clark judge. He talked to Mike Strahan. He talked to, um, Rick Gosline, uh, uh another voter. So he talked to a few, a few voters. You talk to a few guys that, that Willie played against, and I just think it's it's really cool. And actually, the the person that said uh, a team that's been to two Super Bowls has just one Hall of Famer that was Rick Goslin. So I, I just think it's a good article. It's worth worth your time, worth checking out. And we we send all our best to Willie. And I know that there's this movement building around him in Bengals Twitter. I think that's fantastic, and I hope that we keep it up. Coming up next, we're gonna start our conversation about coach responsibilities, what the Bengals have to replace with the offensive line. This is going to be the biggest coach the Bengals replaced this season, certainly the most impactful. And then we'll talk about the rest of the coaches the Bengals are replacing to wrap up today's show. This episode is brought to you by betonline.ag, the only place we use, the only place we trust for all of our sports betting needs. You can go check them out. Again, that's betonline.ag. Maybe you want to bet on the Cleveland Browns or the Pittsburgh Steelers. Maybe you want to bet on an AFC North rivalry that has a diverging line. The Cleveland Browns started as three and a half point dogs. They'll go on the road to face the Pittsburgh Steelers. That's now up to six points as the Browns will be without a number of players. And most importantly, perhaps their head coach, Kevin Stefanski, who will be dealing with the COVID protocol. Maybe you want to go bet on Ohio State in the college football playoff where they're underdogs to Alabama as well. You can check all that out with a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit using promo code LOCKEDON. That's betonline.ag, promo code LOCKEDON for a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Don't sit on the sideline anymore. Get in on the action with that promo code LOCKEDON. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. There are a number of coaches the Bengals will be replacing this offseason, and none of them is more important than the offensive line coach. I think that that's pretty fair to say, right, James? I mean, on the offense, you're replacing your wide receivers coach, your running back coach, and your offensive line coach. On the defensive side of the ball, they're replacing their defensive line coach and a defensive assistant that worked with their pass rushers, essentially, in Gerald Chapman. So Jim Turner's replacement. What will he be responsible for? Well, in Cincinnati, I believe that he will be largely responsible for the design of the running game. I'm pretty sure, and I'm not entirely sure on this, maybe we can get some clarification at some point from the team in the future, that Jim Turner had a large hand in designing the run game. And if he didn't, he certainly had a great understanding of the run game because he had to install it with his players. He was the one that was instructing the individual players on the offensive line what their responsibilities were on each play. Now, the thing that I'm curious about in Cincinnati is how much Jim Turner was involved with pass protection because they had Ben Martin in there. 
And I, I just don't know. I mean, I know that he's teaching some technique, but what we've heard from Willie Anderson is that these coaches generally on the offensive line in particular, don't have enough time in season to work on technique. So they might be doing stuff like, you know, here's film prep. We're going to watch film on the opposing defensive lineman. Here's some moves you have to watch out for. Here's some things that we can do to combat these tendencies, these stunts that we're expecting this week, these pass rush moves. But I really don't know the answer to that question. I don't know where the delineation of duties was between him and Ben Martin. And that will be interesting for whoever comes in to replace him in Cincinnati. And you would assume the Bengals made the decision to to keep Ben Martin on before hiring an offensive line coach to replace Jim Turner. You would assume whoever that is is okay with that because that's that's a pretty big commitment, really. I mean, who you who are you working hand-in-hand with? Probably the assistant offensive line coach just as much as anyone, including Zach Taylor. And, and so that part, that hurdle, is just another thing. And it might not be a hurdle at all, right? It might be pretty simple. Ben can probably work with anyone he might be completely reasonable you you have no idea but but the fact that they made that jump you hope that that doesn't become a factor and then if it isn't a factor how is martin's role going to change with this new coach because everyone has their different styles the way they do things right the way you prepare for this podcast is different than the way i prepare the way you prepare for work is different than the way i prepare and that's going to be who regardless of who they hire and so there is going to be some adjustments and are going to be some adjustments. And, and the other thing here, Jake, that some people have mentioned and I think is going to be interesting to see throughout the offseason, do we get any in-person OTAs? Do we get any in-person offseason anything before training camp? Because a lot of these assistants, otherwise, they're only going to meet these players via Zoom. And it'll be much like last year. But you have much more coaching turnover so it isn't just some new free agents and some new you know pieces in the draft it's those guys plus a a bunch of veterans that don't know these assistants and and so that part of it'll be um really a a hurdle for this team that they're gonna have to get past yeah i think it will be a an interesting fit for ben martin because one of those two guys, in addition to the run game, is responsible for pass pro rules, right? They're generally responsible for setting up that design for if if we get this look, we're going to block this way. They're, they're setting up the and installing the slide protections and that sort of thing is is all coached by the offensive line coach, obviously. I mean, it makes a lot of sense, right? The offensive line coach, though, unlike other position coaches, does have that higher level of responsibility for the whole unit and the running game and the, the pass protection rules. So for anybody coming in, you're going to have to get on the same page with Zach Taylor. You're you're probably, I I assume that Zach Taylor is still trying to set up an effective outside zone based offense. It's something that we haven't seen work terribly well in Cincinnati. I, I would assume that he still wants to get back to that at some point. And so it'll be interesting to me to see if they go with that sort of offensive line coach, somebody that comes from that sort of system. And so we'll see what this new coach brings in terms of run game system, in terms of fundamental offense routes that that we could see translate into some offensive scheme changes for the Bengals in 2021. And, and that's one of the reasons that Scott Peters, who's the assistant offensive line coach in Cleveland, working with Bill Callahan up there, we talked about him yesterday, is actually pretty interesting to me because I think that he does fit with some of the things that 
would be successful or could be successful with Zach Taylor's brand of offense and his history. So could be interesting if he's the guy they bring in, that could be an indication of which way they want to go in terms of offensive design, in terms of run game design, in terms of offensive line, generally speaking. So something to watch certainly as we probably won't hear if it's anything like the last time there was a coaching search, probably won't hear too much about the guys that they are considering or the guys they've brought into interview. But if we do, we will certainly let you know. And once we find out who that person is, well, we'll, we'll get you all the information we can about the new offensive line coach. James, the Bengals are also replacing four other position coaches. We'll talk a little bit about why those positions are different coming up next. Operation 2021 Summer Bod is officially underway. Hopefully you're sticking to your New Year's resolutions. You hear us at Locked On Bengals talk about this all the time. Built Bars, the number one protein bar on the planet. Let them, let us help you achieve your goals this year with Built Bar. Built Bar, like I said, the best protein bar on the planet. They have amazing taste and they come in 18 great flavors. Every single bar is covered in 100% chocolate. So whether it's the mint brownie, the double chocolate, apple almond crisp, cherry bar, CO, the mint brownie, doesn't matter. There's something for everyone with Built Bar. And the best thing, it's not their amazing taste. It isn't that they're soft and easy to chew. It's the macros because your health matters low in sugar, low in calories, and high protein to get you where you need to go. So check them out right now, builtbar.com. And the best part about it, you're going to save money right now. Use promo code locked on at builtbar.com and you're going to save 20% off your next order. Again, use promo code locked on for 20% off at builtbar.com. The offensive line coach, James, like we just talked about, obviously the biggest impact for any coaching change for this team, specifically because of the offensive line struggles in the last two years. But there will be four other coordinators that the Bengals replace in 2021. One of those, Bob Bicknell, the wide receivers coach, Jamal Singleton, the running backs coach, Gerald Chapman, the defensive assistant who worked mostly with edge rushers that we talked about earlier, and Nick Eason, the defensive line coach. A lot of position coaches in the NFL generally have job descriptions that can be described as somewhat similar, and I'll give you the general idea of what I think they do after I ask you this question, James. Which of these hires and their replacements do you think is most important for the Cincinnati Bengals in the 2021 season? To me, it's down to two. It would either be wide receivers coach or defensive line coach. And I look at where this team is at, what they're probably going to do, how they're going to be successful over the next few years. And that to me is Joe Burrow and a bunch of weapons around him. (laughs) And so I want to see T Higgins hopefully become a number one wide receiver. I want whoever they draft or sign, and I would lean probably they draft one, but who knows, they could sign one as well to reach their their full potential at wide receiver. So Jamar Chase, right? We're seeing him a lot. Devonta Smith in mocks. Maybe it's the second round. Chris Olave from Ohio State. Whoever that wide receiver is, I want this new wide receivers coach to maximize that guy's potential because odds are, Even if Zach doesn't last until 2022, this wide receivers coach is probably going to have a two-year deal, could hang around, much like Bob Bicknell did when Zach Taylor came into the fold in 2019. So whoever it is could kind of be molding Joe Burrow's weapons of the future 
and I think that's extremely important. But I, I could certainly make an argument for for the defensive line coach as well. In terms of responsibilities, to think about the wide receivers coach and to think about the defensive line coach, I think you're thinking about the two coaches on this list that have a little bit more impact on the game on the whole. I think for the Bengals, I suspect Nick Eason worked mostly with the interior defensive line. I, I know that he was responsible for generally defensive line design. So that's stuff like stunts, that's stuff like gap control in terms of run defense, you know, some of the, some of the rush lanes they would go after. He's designing some of that stuff for the front four. I think that he probably had some help from Gerald Chapman. I think they're both responsible as all position coaches are for watching opponent tape, alerting their players to tendencies figuring out ways to exploit this week's opponent. That's something that all position coaches do. They're all putting in game day preparation for their specific unit. They're all doing install for their specific unit. So they'll work on the defensive side. The defensive line coach will work with the defensive coordinator and talk about, okay, here, here's what the coverage that we're trying to play on this play is. This is what we need from the defensive line. You go install this on the defensive line. You go figure out the most effective way to do whatever it is that we want you to do, whether it's contain, whether it's, get quick pressure, whether it's, you know, a delay blitz, whatever it might be, whether you need Carl Lawson to drop into coverage, that's to some degree, the defensive line coach's responsibility to install for the wide receivers coach who who you penciled in as the most important, just because of how important Joe Burrow's development is, which is certainly an argument that I can buy. It's a little bit more straightforward. I don't think there's as much to design. You're, you're instead working with your wide receivers on reads, I think. So on option routes, you're working with the wide receivers on this is your key. This is when you're going to break off your route and do this other thing. These are the technique things that we're watching. And and like the other coaches, you know, these are the these this is the way this corner is going to press you. This is a release we can work on this this week that's worked really well against this guy that can get you open and into space on defense or can help you win a snap right away. So in terms of responsibility I think defensive line coach comes ahead in the hierarchy compared to wide receiver coach. But when you compare wide receiver coach to running back coach, wide receiver coach, I think is probably going to be responsible for some of those option routes and some of those reads that they need to install with the wide receivers, not to mention technique. When you get to the the running back coach, I mean, what do you think the most important thing is there? I think that for one, they need to jive well with the offensive line coach, whoever they bring in to help with the run game that needs to, go hand in hand and and they need to make sure their running backs can play to the strengths of whatever system they try to put in uh, for for the offensive line. If they try to go more outside zone than they have to try to get back to Zach Taylor's roots, that's going to be the the running back coach's job to get these guys ready to do. But the more important thing, James, in my opinion, is likely to be pass protection. Sure. And and that's that's kind of the the key, right? It all goes back to Joe Burrow. How can you keep him upright, keep him healthy, make life easier on him. But I agree with you, the the synergy between running backs coach, coach offensive line coach, and the importance of that. This team needs a real running game, and they need to be able to run for four and a half yards a carry, right, and not average 3.6 or less, which, you know, you, you're paying a guy like Joe Mixon, you would expect that. So whoever comes in here, needs to help that both offensive line coach and uh, running backs coach. So th- those are significant. And I do think that the, the synergy is, is sort of key because if they upgrade the offensive line, like we're assuming, then the talent 
could potentially be there. There's a path for that. They certainly feel like they have the talent at running back. Well, if, if Zach Taylor is the coach, even remotely the coach that you think he is offensively, then there's no reason why that shouldn't come together. And so that's sort of the key, I think, is having all of these guys on the same page so they can work together and maximize the talent on this roster. Yeah, no matter who it is that you bring in, you're still subject to the the ways of Zach Taylor, Brian Callahan, and Lou Anarumo. Those are the guys, those are the most important coaches on the staff. They will all be the same, and they all need to get better. I mean, that that I think is very obvious. The offense and the defense both performing inefficiently for much of the year, even when Joe Burrow is playing, especially early in the year with the Chargers game and the Baltimore game in there early, the, the efficiency numbers weren't great. So, so the offense needs to get more consistent. They obviously have a lot of work to do in the offensive line and in the run game because I think you're 100% correct that establishing a more consistent run game would obviously help Joe Burrow, would help them deal with not getting behind their chains and, and some of the struggles they have sometimes when they do get behind the chains in this offense. And so the, the coaching hires could have a bit of an impact. And, and I mean, even beyond the offensive line coach, these do matter. They are not as important as coordinator jobs, but they do matter because it's going to be about teaching these guys the right technique, teaching these guys to fit with the system and whoever they bring in needs to get on the same page with these coaches and just be better. You know, they, they've got to, they've got to establish that baseline. They've got to find a way to keep up some consistency and it's just got to be better. And you would expect these position groups, specifically the offensive line, to take a leap. All of Bengals fans, Bengals country, whatever you want to say, they have their eyes on Bill Callahan. Obviously, that won't happen. But the leap that the Browns took in their offensive line, and I covered the team in 2019. It was awful. Well, you would expect the same thing in 2021 for this Bengals team, assuming they invest assets in the line. And they plan to. I know that. I don't know exactly how, but they plan to. Well, once they do that, whoever comes in, they're going to be responsible for getting them uh, to that point. And, and hopefully we are talking about an offensive line that's actually top 10, top 15 in 2021 for the first time since 2015 because it's been ugly at Paul Brown Stadium in the trenches. It can turn around quickly. They've got to get the right people in the building to do so. And, you know, you mentioned the Browns. Obviously, they just had a huge turnaround with Bill Callahan. And you can also talk about the Bills, who had a yeah. huge turnaround. And, and look at look at what they've done. So there are certainly some some teams you can point to for good comparisons. Even when the Rams, you go back to, to Zach Taylor's time with L.A. and with Sean McVay. When the Rams took their big leap. And, you know, they, they brought in Andrew Whitworth and that offensive line took a leap forward. And when the Rams took a step back the next year, it's because the offensive line played a whole lot worse. Now, those are some teams that you can model a little bit after. There are some examples there in terms of big spend in Cleveland and, and big coaching hires. And in Buffalo, the shotgun approach that we talked about with Brad from PFF a while ago. So some things that we can actually look to for models for the Bengals and see if they try to emulate any of that this offseason. That's going to do it for this episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. Tomorrow we will return. And if we don't get any huge news, because we'll always cover all Bengals news here on the Lockdown Bengals podcast, we're going to do our end of season award show, James. And we'll get some categories Ooh. ready. Get your categories ready. Get ready to answer some categories off the cuff. And we'll give out some hardware, some, some metaphorical hardware tomorrow on the podcast. 
Wait, you mean we're not sending Zach Taylor a trophy for coach of the year? I thought I thought that was you. I thought you had that. Oh, right. <laughs> like I'm getting the, the award or yeah, I have I thought, the trophy? I thought we talked about that. You were going to do that and I was going to do the okay. other thing. I'll track it down. Zach Taylor won runner up Jim Turner. I'll track him <laughs> down too. Lou Anarumo, the bronze medal. Oh. <laughs> Tune into the awards. They should be fun. That's coming your way tomorrow, Bengals fans. Until then, who day and have a good one.